0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode of the Bearstalk Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. (laughs) A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in Sports Drink, spelled like Sports Drink but without the vowels, so S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you we're trying not to let out the funk <laughs> What's up guys? Back for this little quickie episode you know it's just um, I, I, I you know considering that uh, Lauren Cox and I are not getting together for another two days I'm recording this on Tuesday night um, you know and it's seeing the reaction to some of you online sharing your disappointment with having to wait another few days because um, you you want to hear what I have to say about the Saturday the, the game on Saturday so I was like, you know what? I can do this. Let me just come in here. We give a little quickie episode. And I I was reminded, uh, you know, I reminded myself that uh, I actually recorded a knee-jerk reaction at the end of the game just in case something like this happened. Whereas, like, I was going to wait a significant amount of time before I, you know, we quote-unquote recapped uh, the game. So I'm going to share the first knee-jerk reaction of 2022, the first ever preseason knee-jerk reaction uh, and share a few of my thoughts uh, about Saturday's game against the Browns so that uh, Lauren and I can do more of an overview of the preseason. I'm sure we'll spend, we'll spend, spend plenty of time. God damn, it's late. I'm, I'm ready for bed. But uh, spend plenty of time talking about uh, you know Justin Fields and his performance in the preseason finale uh, against the Browns. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're probably going to devote more of our time to the roster uh, and, and what's, uh, what's made up of the, of the practice squad if it's completed by the time we talk on Thursday uh, and everything. Uh, so I thought I'd just jump in, share my thoughts so uh, you can hear them and uh, give you a little something to filter between now and Friday when that episode with uh, Lauren and myself actually drops for your consumption. So here we go. This is the preseason week three review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Our beloved Chicago Bears finished off the preseason in Cleveland uh, against the uh, Cleveland Browns. I I think that's uh, maybe it's a tradition that we are restarting. Uh, I mean, because it was the the Bears and the Browns for how many years? Uh, in a row before we finally started to switch it up uh, a little bit. But, uh, you know, back out there uh, in Cleveland, no Deshaun Watson. Wah-wah on that one. But, uh, you know, you know who was there? My sister. My sister was at the game uh, because uh, one of her best friends from, like, childhood all the way up through uh, is uh, the, the uncle um, of Micah Do Treadway. Uh, one of our defensive tackles trying to uh, make the final 53. Uh, and so they managed to uh, get their hands on some tickets and hit the road uh, to head out to Cleveland uh, to see Michael, Micah, I should say, um, make his last best attempt to uh, make the 53 man uh, roster. So um, when Lauren and I get together on Friday, we'll talk, or, excuse me, Thursday, we'll talk about how that. Uh, Turned out for him, maybe he'll be on the practice squad. Maybe he'll be on the uh, fifty-three. Uh, we'll have to uh, wait and see on that. Probably know by now already, actually. But anyway, uh, the, so they were down there, and um, you know, it, it was a. Uh, I was looking forward to it because it felt like it had been forever since I'd seen the Bears play, and it was only nine days because they played that Thursday nighter against the uh, Seahawks. Uh, the week before, but you know, a lot of football, uh, being played in between, uh, that game and, and this one. And, um, it was a welcome sight to see my beloved, uh, out on the field, uh, once again, and it sucks that it's going to be another two weeks before we get to see it again. But after that, it's, uh, you know, pretty much every week until the end of the season. So it's, uh, like I said, the regular season is here and, uh, all will be right with the world come kickoff, uh in uh, a week and a half, next week, actually, on Thursday, when the Rams and the Bills uh, kick this thing off. And then uh, it'll really be great on Sunday when the Bears host the uh, 49ers. So it's going to be interesting. Can't wait uh, for this thing to get kicked off for real, especially since it's probably going to be the first opportunity that we as Bear fans get to see a lot of these guys play for the first time. Because Byron Pringle, I don't think he played a snap uh in the preseason um you know we we saw very little of david montgomery in this uh third preseason game um you know and and and, and there you know obviously a bunch of guys that, whose name who who i probably don't remember because it's more of an out of sight out of mind thing as far as uh, that like i completely forgotten akil harry was on the team because he suffered that that ankle injury before the preseason got underway and uh you know it's like, I, I forgot he was on the team. I, I, was, I was actually doing a uh, Vikings podcast last night, and he mentioned to Harry, and, and and to myself, I was like, oh, yeah. We still have him. He's still on the team. I forgot all about that guy. But, uh, yeah. So I'm sure that there's a, a laundry list of guys uh, like that that, uh, you know, it would be like, oh, yeah, we got that guy. He's starting against the 49ers kind of thing. So, But, um, you know, it was um, – you'll hear me talk about it in the, in the knee-jerk reaction. That, um you know it was the tale of the preseason in the first two games is that the starters kind of, you know came out like they struggled against Kansas City uh, in their two drives in the first game, and then the starters came out talking offensively, of course, uh, came out and had a nice drive, ten plays, I believe it was, against the Seahawks, but it only resulted in a field goal, so we hadn't really seen the offense really flex its muscles just yet we saw some nice things a flash here a flash there uh, of what the potential of this offense could be but this game um you know i was really looking forward to it especially since Eberflu said the starters are going to play a half they're going to play the first half i'm like wow that's interesting okay yeah he's actually using the preseason to help his football team get better you don't see a lot of teams doing that uh anymore so it's more like you know you might as well just uh Surround the preseason in caution tape because a lot of guys don't see the field during the preseason because the, the you know the the coaching staff wants their guys healthy they don't want to risk getting them hurt uh, going into the regular season and and I can see that but at the same time it's just like you know you, you know you're hurting your football team it's like unless you are like the Rams or the Bills or that are well on their way that to uh, you know you're you're not you're not talking about making the playoffs you're talking about how deep into the playoffs you're gonna go. If you're not one of those teams, you your guys need to be out there. You need to be getting your team ready for the season and and doing what you can to improve. So, Ibrflus um, is is doing or did that, I should say, and it was true to his word. The starters were. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We're out there for the entire uh, first half. Like I said, we got to see David Montgomery uh, for the first time. Who's, I mean, you see him and, and you automatically see why it is that, uh, you know, we haven't seen David Montgomery is because Montgomery doesn't need the preseason. I mean, he ran like a beast uh, in the uh in, in that game. And as, as he, he ended up with nine carries for 28 yards, but that doesn't tell the story about how well he ran the ball. Cause he had something like a 25 yard gain taken away from him on the first touchdown drive, uh, because of a holding penalty. And, um, you know, it, it, it will, it would have at least at, you know, almost doubled his stats, uh, if not more, uh, you know, from what he ended up with on, uh, on Saturday, but he looked good. He looked really good, running the ball hard, making guys miss, running through him when he had to. It's what I love about David Montgomery. But um, you know, on that opening drive, uh, it was uh, we got to see the, the offense flex its muscles a little bit, and then once again, um, we, we saw it. We saw it happen in the Kansas City game, but when, when uh, Simeon was in at quarterback, he. Uh, from the moment the the wide receiver broke the you know the, from the snap of the ball wide open uh, in the end zone uh, be, because that's basically how it was schemed it fooled the defense and boom touchdown uh, very much the same way because I don't I I don't know much about Ryan Griffin uh, but I haven't heard that he's any kind of uh, elite route runner with great you know wide open you know wide open speed or anything like that but he was absolutely wide open uh, on the play where if Justin Fields delivered a perfect strike. And you hear me talk about a knee-jerk reaction. So um, let's just go ahead and, and, and play that for you uh, right now. I talk about that, my overall feelings uh, about the offense, and, and then some. So let's just go ahead and, and take heed. <laughs> knee-jerk reaction, Bears-Browns in the preseason finale. Our beloved Chicago Bears have finished the preseason undefeated, as they've said many, many times during the broadcast today. For the first time since 1994, that was Dave Wonstadt's first year, second year, second year as head coach. And uh, ironically enough, the last time I saw the Bears play in Soldier Field, I was at the preseason uh, premiere, the preseason opener against the Eagles in '94. Uh, a game they also won, obviously, if they went undefeated in the preseason. But um, the real story of of this game was the was the starters, because in the in the preseason in the first two games, it was the starters came in, they did a little of this, a little of that, and but it was the backups that really kind of helped dominate the football game. This time it was the other way around. The starters came in, and true to his word, Matt Eberflus had the offense out there for. The entire first half, uh, Justin Fields and company did five drives. I think they said something like 28, 29 plays. Uh, They scored three touchdowns. Three touchdown passes from Fields, 14 of 16. I think it said 156. Three touchdowns, no picks. And the Bears, you know, the starters. Won the first half 21 to six, so it wasn't one where you know it was it was the backups establishing dominance and, and basically winning the games for us. The starters went out there and it was their 21 points that won us the game because the Browns made a late run in the fourth quarter to make it 21-20, uh, and that's how the Bears finish out the. Uh, the preseason, but saw some really nice things uh, from it. A lot of guys didn't play tonight. No Robert Quinn. No Angelo Blackson. Uh, and obviously, no Jaquan Brisker still nursing the thumb injury. Uh, no Roquan. He he practiced this week, but uh, I think uh, Ryan Poles during his uh, visit to the booth said uh, ex- was experiencing tightness uh, in the pregame, so they sat him for this one so as to not get him hurt uh, in a in essentially a meaningless uh, football game, but. Montgomery played for the first time tonight. Saw some really nice blocking from Blazingame in the running game. Uh, O-line looked good. Uh, Fields was spreading the ball around. Really liking what I'm seeing, uh, you know, in in what we have been able to see from the offense with Luke Getze and his play calling. You know, it just seems like those guys are open. Not just because they're, they're getting themselves open, but because the scheme is getting these guys into a spot where nobody is. Uh, the first touchdown throw uh, to Ryan Griffin from Justin Fields, not only was it a brilliant-looking play, it was a beautiful throw from Fields, and he put it in just the spot because he was between the safety and the corner, put it in just the spot so that Ryan Griffin was able to catch the ball and not get plowed by the by the second by the guys charging in from the from the secondary. He was able to, you know, get the ball and and brace himself so as he wasn't just getting straight laid out uh, on the play. So Cole Komet came down with one, a really good looking throw to Dante Pettis for the second uh, touchdown. Just outstanding performance from Justin Fields in the first half. Really wets your beak to get ready for the real games in 2 weeks when the Bears host the 49ers for week 1. So just wanted to put that out there, and give us our first knee-jerk reaction of 2022. Because as I said last week, probably not going to focus too much on this game. But here, this is fresh out of my head. Offense looked great. Uh, defense played well as, as well. At 21 to six, we won uh, the first half. What we saw from the guys that were out there, because no Robert Quinn, uh, and you know it was quite a few guys not out, not playing uh, in this one. But no Jalen Johnson. What we like, I liked the whole lot, but we saw I liked the whole lot. 21-6, to 6, the Bears hang on 21-20 to 20 for an undefeated preseason. Now we move on to the games that count for real. Two weeks from tomorrow, or two weeks from today, from, for those of y'all hearing it, or whatever it is. But Bears-Niners on September 11th to kick off the year. Can't wait to get started. So there you go. Those are my immediate thoughts as the clock struck zero on the fourth quarter. Uh, of the game, and, and like I said, it was unlike the preseason in the first two games. I guess I never really finished that thought was that in against Kansas City uh, and against uh, Seattle, it was when the, the backups hit the field that you saw progress, that we were moving the ball a little bit better on offense, that we were scoring points, that the defense uh, was kind of imposing its will uh, upon uh, our opponent uh, and everything because the starters went out early against uh, Seattle, and you know we we dominated the first half, had a twenty four nothing lead, before Seattle got on the board for the first time. Uh, you know Kansas City starters won the first half fourteen to nothing, and it was our backups and our reserves that won the second half nineteen to nothing uh, to come away with the win. There this time it was the starters going up against the you know the best that Cleveland was putting on the field that night. No uh, Jadavian Clowney, no Miles Garrett, but uh, but somebody made a great point. Um, I think it was Adam Hogue actually of uh you know of from CHGO that said you know but the the point is yeah the Cleveland wasn't playing Miles Garrett they didn't have uh, those guys out there but you know the point is they did what you're supposed to do when your opponent is shorthanded and you know I know that Cleveland was shorthanded on purpose because they were sitting their starters or some of them uh anyway but when you're missing that kind of talent on the field, it's your job as, your, as their opponent to take advantage of this disadvantage, and, and uh, that's exactly what the Bears appeared uh, to do. You know, three touchdown drives in five, uh, five drives in that first half. Um, you know, Justin, Justin was throwing the ball around very, very well, uh, moving, mixing it up to different receivers, and I think that's going to be really, really important. Because, you know, even in 2018, when our when our offense, you know, looked really good under Nagy in that first season, first look was always Allen Robinson, always to Allen Robinson, and uh, you know, before that, he, he was that was that was Justin Justin's, Justin's uh, Mitch's favorite receiver, you know, and it just doesn't seem like this is a favorite receiver kind of offense that were running here you know that drive in the first drive I think Justin was six for seven or something like that or actually it was the second drive the first drive was three and out but the second drive the first touchdown drive was uh you know I think he actually I think he was perfect he was five for five and hit five different receivers those are the kinds of things that I want to hear uh, about the offense that we're spreading the ball around so that means that the defense can't just Focus on Darnell Mooney like they did last year. They know if they took Mooney away, they took away our passing game because, uh, you know, Nagy wasn't going to use Cole Komet uh, correctly. And and we weren't going to, we never, we didn't use Marquise Goodwin and Demarius Bird uh, and any of those other guys uh, properly uh, last year. So we know that we're not going to rely on anybody else if you take Mooney uh, away from us. Then it becomes about stopping David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. Because if we can't go to Mooney, then we need to run the ball. And, you know, that's just what was the mess and the great flaw in in Nagy's offense. And it it looks like this offense is designed to spread the ball around. So, yeah, Darnell Mooney might be our best receiver. He might be our biggest playmaker uh, in the passing game. But that's not where the ball is going every single time. Because, you know, maybe this time Cole Komet is open, or maybe it's Montgomery coming out of the backfield. Maybe it's Tajay Sharp or Dante Pettis who caught the second touchdown pass uh, in this game. I, I really liked this, how the Bears are mixing it up like that. How we, you know Justin isn't getting laser focused on one guy; he is moving it around. He is throwing to the to the you know open receiver uh, and things like that. And, and my favorite uh, play of the night was the third touchdown because uh, I think it really showed the potential of the offense as a whole, and that is making the defense worry about what Justin Fields can do with his feet because I think that's what led to the touchdown was, uh, you know, Justin had, you know, broke the pocket. He was, because I think it was a straight drop back, and then he broke the pocket. He's rolling out to his right, and just as he looks like he's going to run the ball, he pulls up and throws the ball downfield to a wide-open uh, Cole Komet, who it was one of those things where all he had to do was catch it because he was all, all by himself in the end zone. Boom, he catches it, touchdown, our third touchdown, and, and I think four drives. After the after the three and out on the first drive, we, we scored three out of the next four. So it was uh, a very impressive-looking uh, thing, and I, I think that the danger of what Justin Fields can do when he's running uh, on the field is what caused – whoever was supposed to be covering Cole Komet to probably bite on the fact that Justin Fields could start running, and it left Cole Komet wide open, and I think we could see a lot of big plays from this offense in situations like that where Justin Fields looks like he's going to run, the defender lets his receiver go, and then Justin just pooches it right over their head for a big gain or, God forbid, a touchdown as it was uh, on this particular, uh, play. So, uh, you know, it's, it's something that really gets you excited. And like I said, in the knee jerk reaction, something that really wets your beak for, uh, the real games, because we've got a pretty tough test defensively in these first two games with, uh, you know, Bosa and the 49ers. And, uh, you know, everybody's talking about with, with, you know, Devontae Adams gone in green Bay, that the Packers might rely more on their defense, uh, this year. So that is something that, uh, we're up against in those first two weeks or two, you know, playoff teams and two teams that rely heavily on are going to be relying heavily uh, on their defenses. So I'm very excited to see how this offense is going to perform and can it keep us in the ball games, you know, because on paper, San Francisco and green Bay are both superior teams uh, to us. They are both going to be favored uh, to beat the bears in those respective uh, football games can we be competitive with them is the real thing or you know will it be you know embarrassing or will they blow us out because we're just not good enough uh actually i hope it's not embarrassing cuz that's what the last 3 years was with uh with naggy it was uh, you know the effort that we was given just watching the incompetence just do do everything wrong or do it the opposite of what you want to see and you know, the opposite of what makes sense uh and things like that I feel like we're on good footing with this coaching staff how they're teaching the players, how the players are responding uh to them and, and they we're seeing it on defense as well. We are seeing the hits principle come to life, the hustle, the intensity, you know, the, the takeaways and stuff like that. I think we have one or two uh in this game uh as well. So it's uh it's been uh it's been fun watching this team play and I can't wait to see what it's gonna look like uh next Sunday when uh when it when it kicks off. Uh, for real. So um, quick thoughts on the offensive line. Uh, It it is a work in progress. And I say that mostly because our starting center uh, is still nursing a thumb injury and he may or may not be ready for week one. And that's Lucas uh, Patrick. Uh, I have loved what I've seen from Tevin Jenkins at the guard uh, position. I think it was something that everybody's been calling for um, since, um, since it became clear he wasn't going to be a starter because it's like Braxton Jones seemed to just come in like day one and he's the left tackle. That's it. And it was his job to lose throughout camp. And he did, even after we signed uh, Riley reef, it was still Braxton's Braxton Jones's job, which is amazing that, that, I mean, I hope we have something special on our hands there. Um, and then, you know, Larry Barama's was plugged in at uh, right tackle. And that seems to be where he's stuck the entire uh, preseason and so, like, amid trade rumors and, and all the rest of that nonsense, they finally slide Tevin, Jevin, Tevin Jenkins over to uh, right guard. He showed good things against the Seahawks, and then he was, at times, dominant uh, against the Browns. That that uh, That run from Montgomery that got called back, he got into the second level, and it was him walling off a defender on the second level that broke that run uh, for Montgomery once he got through the first, uh, first wave. Uh, and, and I, I would, I can't wait to see stuff like that happening, uh, in the, uh, in the regular season. Cause that was fantastic, uh, to watch. And I, and I've been watching videos on, on Twitter and, and YouTube watching Braxton Jones and Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum pancaking guys and, uh, and things like that. Cody White here is still doing his thing. Uh, and Sam must has been doing a fine job, uh, at center. he's, He's definitely not the guy that we want out there every day, so that's why Lucas Patrick when he's healthy, he will slide right into that uh uh position but uh he wasn't the disaster that he was last year or you know maybe not so much disaster maybe that's a harsh term but uh at the very least he was unreliable last year i th- I think that would probably be the best term to use for him uh was that he was unreliable like we we couldn't count on him from a play to play basis to to, to do his job and uh, that's not the kind of uh, reputation that you want to have that's why everybody's been so so soft or so hard on him you know going into uh this season and you know some people are upset that he's still on the team that we didn't cut him uh, in the off season and, and all the rest of that stuff so um you know I think we'll be okay as long as he is in there but I think this this offensive line really comes together. Once Lucas Patrick comes back, and then once that group with Jenkins, or excuse me, with Barham, Jenkins, Patrick, Whitehair, and and Jones start to gel together, then I really think we're going to see something. Because I, at this point, I have full faith in the coaching staff based on what I've seen, offensively and defensively, they all seem to be buying into this thing. I just hope it's something that lasts. Because this is, these are the exact same things you were saying four years ago. When Matt Nagy came in, they look like they're all buying in. They're all in on the coach and so on and so forth. Hopefully this is something that extends into something long-term as opposed to a you know, one-season flash in the pan where we all get excited about nothing. So, um, But um, anyway, guys, I, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun watching that game and the Bears having to kind of play for real in the fourth quarter when they all thought they had it locked up and hold on to stop the browns from uh winning the uh ball game, uh, stopping the two-point conversion that would have won it for them uh and everything. Let's look a little bit at the stats. I mean, I mean, Fields is just 14 of 16, 156, three touchdowns, no interceptions, was not sacked and had a quarterback rating of 146.9. Yeah, that's quarterback's ready for the season. That's that's good. Uh, I, I really like Trevor Simeon. He, he's he's definitely showing himself to be a uh, a pro and somebody that I, I won't lose much sleep over uh, him having to come off the bench to play uh, for Justin Fields. He doesn't seem like he's accident prone uh, or anything like that. He's made really good decisions with the football. I don't think he turned the ball over at all uh, during the uh, pre seasons. Like obviously, he's not as athletic as Fields. He did get sacked against the Browns. Uh, on Saturday, but uh, overall, I, I like what I've seen uh, from him and, and feel good about him being our backup uh, quarterback. You know, like I said, what I saw from, from Montgomery, it's like, yeah, that's why we haven't seen much of uh, David Montgomery so far in the preseason. He's in midseason form already. He's ready to go. So they, they let him go out there and break a sweat against the, against the Browns and like, okay, you're good, bro. You're, you're ready for week 10 at this point. Uh, and then receiving, um, you know, Dante Pettis caught one of the touchdown passes. I already talked about uh, Cole Komet, Isaiah uh, Coulter. I think he led the team in receptions, or at least that's what they are saying on the, uh, on the broadcast. Uh, made three catches for 61 yards uh, in the game. And um, Ryan Griffin had only the one catch, but it was the 22-yard touchdown from Fields. Anything else? Um, Oh, I, I mentioned it in the knee-jerk reaction. I really do like what I'm seeing uh, from Blazin' Game uh, as a as a fullback, as a lead blocker. It feels good uh, to to see the Bears kind of going old school and and having a, a fullback uh, on not only on the roster but on the field uh, as well. Because uh, you know, Lovey carried a fullback on the on this team uh, when he was the head coach, but you didn't really see the outside of like Jason McKee. Uh, when he was the one leading the way, you know, on our way to the Super Bowl and everything, didn't really see him on the field as much uh, as you would have liked. But uh, uh, nonetheless, I I like what what we've seen uh, from him. Uh, Demontre Tuggle, uh, I I like the way he runs the football, but he did have a fumble uh, that I think led to the score that made it 21-20, so not a good look uh, there. And then here's here's something funny as I'm looking at the – the Stats the leading receiver for the Browns on Saturday, none other than Javon Wims. <laughs> uh good old punch a guy in the face in the middle of the field in full view of every official in the building. Uh, you know, four catches for 41 yards, but uh, could not come down with the two point conversion that would have won him the game. Surprise, surprise. But, um, you know, let's see, did we get any sacks uh, in the game? doesn't look like it. Nope, no sacks for the Bears. But um yeah, I uh I really enjoyed uh the game on Saturday. Left a good warm fuzzy feeling uh in your belly after watching the offense do what it did uh to the Browns uh on Saturday. So um Yeah, I think that's it. You know, overall I'm I'm uh I'm very uh optimistic about what we're seeing not just because of what the Bears did on the field, but because I, I, I feel like the team is in good hands with with Getzy and and uh, you know Ibrulus, obviously Allen Williams, our new defensive coordinator. Uh, it, it's good looking stuff, so I'm 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 excited. And will that translate into wins? It's like I think we as Bear fans this year need to look at the bigger picture. Uh, we're trying to erase what Nag, what Nagy and Pace did uh, in their last few years. Um, I, I think. Before final cuts, there were twenty nine guys left from the uh, Ryan Pace regime. Um, I'm I'm sure it'll probably be less than that uh, once the final cuts uh, get made. I I know they've they've come out. I haven't looked at them yet, but um, anyway, because I'm I'm saving that for when uh, when I talk to Lauren on Thursday. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 I mean I I just keep saying it over and over. I'm excited. I'm optimistic. And I think we as Bear fans need to be optimistic and we need to be realistic about what to look for this year. Now, we have a fairly simple schedule as far as 2021 uh, is concerned because, you know, things could change drastically in 2022. But you look at uh, the NFC East and there may be, you know, a team or two in that division better than us on paper, but those are all winnable games. Every single one of those teams – uh, looks good and also is a mess all at the same time. Uh, they could all easily just turn around and give it right back to us. So the 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 record range in those four games could be anywhere from 0 and 4 to 4 and 0 uh with them. Then you look at the AFC East. Buffalo, that's going to be late in the year. Um, that one you might, might be difficult to come away with a the win there, but um you know, Miami I think is a winnable game. Uh, the jets and then obviously the patriots um we'll see 2 and 2 3 and 1 maybe in that uh in that one we'll talk more about the record when when we uh, you know try to pin it down with with lauren but it's like you look at the schedule and it's the, the range of what could happen and when what might happen you know kind of thing is 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 it, it's an extreme end it's just a matter of if the bears can show up and if they can be consistent in it you know, to look awesome one week and then get their asses handed to them the next. That's the Matt Nagy special right there. You know, we I uh when I was talking to this the Skull Purple podcast is the show that I was on uh the other night, it is like I we walked away feeling bad about the wins a lot of the time under Nagy. There was always something bad. We always kind of just happened to win, or as you know, the phrase that I keyed over the years was yeah, but Victories, Yeah, we won, but this. Yeah, we won, but that. And it it sucks that you can't just be happy that the team won. It's like I would as crazy as it sounds, I would like the opposite this year. Instead of being pissed off about the wins, I'd like to feel good about the losses because you you felt, you know, okay to, you know, you know, mad about the wins to being overall embarrassed and pissed about the losses. I would like that to be the other way around. I would like to feel good. Like, if we lose week one against the 49ers, I want to feel good about the fact that the Bears hung in there. They gave it their all. They could have won the game. They just came up short against a better team. That's Those are the kinds of things I want to be saying when I'm doing review episodes this year. We end up losing some ball games. It's like, we should have won this game. We could have we just got to grow as a team. We're still a young team. We're getting better. We're gelling and, you know, you want to feel good. Not just saying it because that's what you're supposed to say as a fan or drinking the Kool-Aid or anything, but just the overall vibe that you're feeling from the team. And that was the thing. You just that's why you never really felt really good about the wins under Nagy after 2018. It was just there were so many games that that, you know, win or lose, you just like, "Ugh, god." You know, just like I just uh, just it was so rough. I mean, in twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, as like I, I ended up both of those, ended both of those seasons, and I can't wait for this season to be over. I cannot wait for this to be over. I don't want to watch this anymore. You know, I don't want to watch it anymore. It, you know, that's the the spot that Nagy and company put me in, uh, in twenty twenty, and in twenty nineteen especially. I just like it was just somebody put a bullet in my head. Twenty nineteen sucked. So, anyway. That's how I want to feel about this team this year. That's progress, in my opinion. Will it translate to wins and losses? That's one thing. But I, I would like to see that the, the narrative about the Bears changing from everyone convinced that we're going to be the absolute worst team in the NFL, that we're going to be competing for a top five uh, draft choice, which, you know, it would be cool to be able to draft in the top five, but that means you had a garbage season, and nobody wants that. So, you know... I I would like the narrative to change to be, you know, like for like right now we're supposed to be the worst team in the NFL or one of the worst. By the end of this season, I want the Bears at worst to be a team to look out for in 2023. That's that's the discussion that I that's how I would like the arc of the narrative to change for the Bears. That's the worst that I want to hear about the Bears at the end of the season is that, you know, you, you know the, the Bears you know they have the cap space they you know they had a good year you saw a lot of progress you saw some some you know some real you know step forward for Justin Fields and blah 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 the Bears got a ton of cap space and maybe they can go out there and convince a few guys to come in that are going to be some difference makers for them 2023 watch out for the Bears that's what I want to hear at the end of the season so uh, anyway we'll talk more about that when we talk to uh, Lauren on Thursday and of course that episode will drop on Friday, so I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. My eyes are getting heavy. It's time for bed. Until then, my name is Larry D and this has been Bear's Talk Underground.